0: my wife and I uh, were standing in the back or halfway back during the Mass and during the sign of peace I shook her hand and after I shook her hand she had to wipe her hand off because of the sweat in my palm. <laughs> she always come prepared, comes prepared and she uh, used her, um, uh, her, her, her napkin to, to take care of the problem. But I just want to thank so many people today. As I look out I know most of you. Most of you have either stopped by the Catholic radio station or I've seen you at a a prayer event or a mass. I'm so humbled to be the lay representative this year speaking to you about the love of Jesus Christ. As I prepared for today, I became more and more nervous. I wish Chuck would have asked me to talk about anything else but the love of God. But that's what he asked me to do, and I know that I'm not the best person to do it. One of the things I promised myself is I'd be really strong, and uh, I just want to make sure you get the message today that he wants to love you more today. And I know he wants to love you more today because of the apparition that was given to St. Margaret Mary Alaco over 300 years ago, when St. Margaret Mary Alaco first saw this vision of Jesus, he was glowing. She felt like she would be consumed with his love. She even asked him, Jesus, take me away because I'm not able to be in your presence And he said, I only ask a few simple things from you. One is prayer, regular communication with our Lord. But another is very much tied into what Bishop Brennan was talking about in his homily, frequent reception of the Holy Eucharist, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. As some of you might know, there are many Eucharistic miracles and if you don't know that there are Eucharistic miracles, I'll just share with you two. The first and probably most famous Eucharistic miracle was in Lunciano, Italy, in the 1200s. A priest doubting the presence of our Lord in the Eucharist raised the host, and as he would raise the host, the host became flesh. And then after they studied the host they found that it was heart tissue. Every Eucharistic miracle in the world, and there are hundreds, have included one thing in common, and that is always his heart. In the Old Testament, we learn that the heart is where God speaks to us. The heart is the core of who we are. The heart is where God sees us clearly. Well, that's the most famous Eucharistic miracle, and it's famous because the heart of Jesus that availed itself at that time has not decomposed, that is still alive when the microscopic evidence is looked at today. But let me go back to another more recent Eucharistic miracle And that Eucharistic miracle was in 1996 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. The same diocese of what now is Pope Francis. And this Eucharistic miracle was a little different. The priest, after exiting the Mass, saw a host that was left on the floor in the back of the church. And he picked up that host, and as is the tradition and as is the right that that host should dissolve in water and be put on plants or something of nature. So he put the host in a glass of water and then put it in the tabernacle. Fast forward a week, and he goes to the tabernacle and he looks into there and he sees that it's no longer a host, it has not dissolved. That host has become flesh, flesh. Now, at the time, he was told in obedience to not make a big stink of it. We have to be careful. So, three years later, Jorge Borgoglio, Cardinal Jorge Borgoglio, again our now current Pope, sanctioned a study on this flesh. And they sent it as a blind sample to one of the world's best. Forensic scientists. And that forensic scientist, in looking at it under the microscope, said, where is this person? And they said, we don't understand. Why are you asking where is this person? And he said, the heart still has white blood cells in it. This was just taken from his heart, wasn't it? They also found or he found, having looked at so many different hearts that have been abused or, or hurt, he said, this, this is definitely a heart that has been a person who has been hurt in a severe way. It looks the same of everything else that I've seen. But here's the amazing thing. That's amazing. But then they sent another blind sample after he found this out, to Lanciano, remember that, in Italy in 1200? And you guessed it. It's the same heart. It's the same DNA. Same left ventricle. And the left ventricle, I'm not a scientist, is the part of the heart that beats within him. So it was so good to hear Bishop Brennan talk about The Sacred Heart. It's not just His love then, but He has humbled Himself now. He was with us today, in our hands and in our mouths and in our bodies. And the beauty of the Sacred Heart image, and I really love this image. Danelle from Fast Signs, thank you for giving this uh, to the Congress today. But I could see even halfway down very clearly the image of Christ. And the striking thing to me is that it it contrasts with the cross. And the cross is something we see pretty frequently. It's in most homes, it's in most rooms. But if you look at both, a few things struck me. First, that Jesus in the sacred heart is an image of of the resurrected Lord. Remember what St. Margaret Mary received in the 1600s when she saw this apparition of Jesus, she saw light that she was so consumed with. The resurrected Lord. Now, it's almost impossible as an artist to show that light. But that's the light that you need to see when you leave here today and when you see that sacred heart image in your home. You need to reflect on What is really real here? That's the first thing that struck me. The other is that we have the insertion of the heart itself, that very core of Jesus Christ. It's surrounded by thorns. One of uh, the most famous promoters of the Sacred Heart Enthronement, Gloria Anson, she was with a group of kids, and she said to the kids, Why do you think that the heart has thorns around it? Kids get things. It has thorns around the the heart, Mrs. Anson. Because our sins hurt his heart much more than they do his head. So you see that difference from the crucifix. I also see the face of Jesus Christ. It's hard to see sometimes in the crucifix, our Lord, he was incarnate, he became human. The creator of the universe, I was watching a show on how large the universe is and how large the solar systems are. I can't even recount how difficult it is to even understand from a scientist's perspective how vast the universe is and how small our sun is compared to other suns. Now shrink that down to now, into his heart. That creator of the universe humbled himself to be Jesus Christ, and he had a face. Sometimes when I've um, talked to people about the Sacred Heart, and I did a lot of that over the last few weeks, because I was afraid I wouldn't have anything to talk about. And I thought I could use their words if I couldn't use my words. But a few folks said, it looks a little dark to me. In fact, my daughter said, he's kind of saying, hmm. He doesn't have a really nice smiling face. But one of the things that he told St. Margaret Mary in that first apparition is that his heart has loved so much, but has not received anything in return. And he was human. Is it okay to be Serious? Yeah. Did he laugh? Absolutely. He laughed louder and longer than any of us here today. But not when he was revealing his heart. And it's not a sad thing. It's a reminder that his heart so loved us that he reaches out to us. We had a visitor last week, Sister Maria Goretti from California... She was taping an episode of one of our national programs on EWTN, Beyond Damascus, telling her vocation story. And I said, well, sister, I've been asking everybody that comes in here, what do they think about the Sacred Heart? And she looked at me, smiling boldly, and said, Bill, my name is Sister Maria Garetti of the Sacred Heart. <laughs> but she so beautifully said... What Jesus said in so many of these apparitions in the 1600s. She said, I love the Sacred Heart because He's reaching His heart, His most intimate part of Him, out to me, out to you. It changes my life. I know His heart and it loves me. And I said, Sister Marie Goretti, how do you know he loves you? And she says, you know he loves you by his words in Scripture, by the Beatitudes in particular. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. What a beautiful way to learn about the sacred heart. You might be wondering why somebody like me is, is talking to you today. I'm wondering that myself. (laughs) But I had a devotion to the Sacred Heart through my parents from an early age. My mom fondly tells me that our one-bathroom, two-bedroom home, she refers to it as, it was so large that the person before us moved in there because they wanted a lot of children and they only had two children, and she said, you know what, Bill, I think that the prayers that they had for children were left in the walls <laughs> because we have 12 children. <laughs> My mom is so strategic, and I don't even know if she knows how smart she is, but she's pretty smart. Where does she place the image of the Sacred Heart? In high-traffic areas, right? Right. Well, guess where the highest traffic area was with 12 kids in one bathroom? Right outside the bathroom. <laughs> we had a little heater, and it's one of those old-fashioned heaters that if you, you touch it, it'll burn you. Um, so it was a little bit of a challenge while we were waiting as well. But we rarely had a chance to, to not have to wait for the restroom. So we had a home that literally had 12 kids, two parents, and the Sacred Heart of Jesus because he was always present with all of us in our family. Personally, I love the devotion because of what it's done for our radio station. I've started a couple of businesses, one that was successful, one not so successful. But I I was an accomplished business person, and when I started at St. Gabriel Radio, I failed to look at the financial reports before I signed up. I was so excited about the opportunity to serve in what I knew was affecting my life as a listener, and I wanted to make sure that others could listen in and learn about our Lord. But we were really at our wits' end about six months after I started. In fact, at one of the board meetings, I remember saying to the board, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this. It's not working. We have great volunteers Salt-of-the-earth people. People donating to the station, and yet we can't pay our bills. And that certainly wouldn't have been the end of the world. But as many of you know, when you listen to Catholic radio, and I hear this at least once a week, I heard exactly what I needed to hear, Bill. Well, I got the chance to hear exactly what I needed to hear about ten years ago. I needed a break from the office, and I went in, uh, through a drive-thru, was eating in my car, listening to Catholic radio, at the time a very small station. And lo and behold, Gloria Anson comes on in a high-pitched voice, talking about the Sacred Heart enthronement. And as the director of St. Gabriel, I know you knew that I know everything about the Sacred Heart. Well, I didn't. And I certainly didn't know about the enthronement to the Sacred Heart. But I listened with a lot of hope. And I knew right away that it it was telling me, listening to that program, that it's not about me. It's not even about you. It's about Jesus wanting to have his words be heard and to be available to anybody that wants to hear his words. So I went back in and Pam Grady, one of the The missionaries to the Sacred Heart, who was volunteering at the time, had heard the same thing. And she said, Bill, you have to enthrone the station to the Sacred Heart. And I said, Pam, you're right. So the next month, we decided to enthrone our station. And we see Joanne Wilson over here. Joanne was such a trooper. I told the board maybe the week before, we're going to enthrone our station to the Sacred Heart. And everybody said, oh, good, that's great. And I found online some prayers for the enthronement. And then Joanne called me and said, Oh, by the way, do you have any images of the Sacred Heart? And I said, You know what? I don't. <laughs> She's had two beautiful images of the Sacred Heart that she found at a, um, a thrift store. She reclaims many of them, I know, as Chuck loves. <laughs> but she had those ready. They're about 100 years old. And the greatest thing about this semblance of the Sacred Heart, and by the way, several people asked me, what's the biggest and best and most famous and the one image that I have to have in my home? You don't have it. Jesus spoke to St. Margaret Mary Alaco, and she documented this through a priest. And the artists are using those journals... To depict these images, they're all very similar, but there is no one special image. Although, this image you see here is awfully special. In fact, it's one that Mother Teresa used in all of her convents around the world. But we enthroned our, our station to the Sacred Heart, and I want to tell you enthroning your home is not magic, it is pretty powerful. Because Jesus Christ enters your home. But more importantly, you open your heart. In an honest way, for maybe the first time. And you tell him, you are going to be the king. You're going to be the brother. And you're going to be my friend. Now from that day, again, it didn't solve all of our problems. But I knew then that whatever happened was God's will. So that's my personal devotion. My wife and I have also enthroned our home about five years ago. And it has brought peace to our home. And that's the promise that Christ gives us. He says, I'll give you 12 promises. He knows our nature, doesn't he? We need something in this for us. (laughs) So he didn't give us just one or five or seven. He gave us the whole thing, 12. But they can be boiled down into two things. He's going to promise you peace. And he's going to promise you graces while you carry your cross. Graces while you carry your cross. The last two weeks, I've had a friend in the hospital. And I can see why, Chuck, you asked me to to speak today. Because I needed my heart to soften a little bit. He's been in so much pain that even painkillers don't help. And as I was sitting there last night thinking, man, I really need to get back home and get this speech together because if I don't, I, I'm going to let down so many people. I thought, God, what are you telling me about the sacred heart? How is the sacred heart involved here? Because this guy's crying out in pain and nothing's happening. You know what happened? What happened? God allowed me to say that's the most important thing in my life right then is to be with Him and to try to use some of Jesus' words that He gave to St. Margaret Mary while He needed it. So I said, think of the sacred heart. Think of the rays coming from His heart. And think what He suffered. You're going to be in a position that very few people will be in. He'll be in that position because he's carried his cross and he doesn't know when it's going to be let up. The Sacred Heart allowed my heart to soften, and I want to encourage you to start a devotion to the Sacred Heart. And let me give you a story how that should start. Father Mateo. Father Matteo is the one that started the Sacred Heart enthronement. He told a story of an eight-year-old girl that he met in the confessional preparing for First Holy Communion, and he knew she was very special because of her innocence and her simplicity and her trust of Jesus. She trusted him so much that he believes that she was given a gift, and that gift was the gift of communicating directly with Jesus day in and day out. Now, to be fair to Father Mateo, he didn't believe it at first. He kind of tested her a little bit. And he asked her to bring the most hardened sinner to his confessional. Eventually, he did. In fact, the person had never been to confession so that's why I'm relaying this story to you. I think it's true and right. But this eight-year-old had this conversation with Jesus on a day-to-day basis. And, and one day, I want to make sure I get this right. One day, Jesus came to her and said, Do you love me? And she said, Now, Jesus, I, you do love me. I know that you love me. I love you. He said, You know what? I only ask you because I don't hear it very much. So she turned the tables. A couple weeks later, she went to Jesus and said, do you love me, Jesus? And of course, he knew what was going on. He said, what? Of course I love you. She said, I just needed to hear you say that. And that conversation went on day in and day out. That's the conversation that the Sacred Heart of Jesus wants to have with you today. And I can guarantee you, preparing for today and just thinking and looking at the Sacred Heart, if you look at that image of the Sacred Heart and you know what those marks on the Sacred Heart mean, and you start to have that honest conversation with Him, and you use what are called aspirations, things like, Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you, Sacred heart of Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart more like your heart. You can find any of those aspirations online, whatever one suits your fancy. But when you see the image in your home and you go past that image, slow down. It's become a Catholic logo that doesn't mean a darn thing to most people. In fact, one of the the friends that I ask about the sacred heart, what does it mean to you? He said, I have it in every one of my rooms. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I said, what what do you love about the sacred heart image? And he said, I don't know. It's kind of like that wedding picture that you have up in the hallway that you haven't looked at in five or six years. We have to slow down and reflect and think about the love of Jesus. A couple more things about the sacred heart image. You'll see the flames... I talked a little bit about the light. But the flame, she said, was like an inferno. And those flames were to represent Jesus' love of his Father. It's first and foremost to be that love of the Father. And, of course, the result of that love of the Father is the Holy Spirit, the flame of love. And that flame of love burns bright, he says, also for us. And then, on top of the flamed image is the is the cross. One interesting thing that Donnell McKinley had mentioned when she went on a, a friend of mine and, and she 's the one that made this image today that she went on a pilgrimage to Rome and she went into the church that had the sign above the cross and This is something i didn 't know you, you probably have heard it, but I thought it was fascinating. I always thought that the sign, or at least in our country, the sign says, Jesus, King of the Jews. Well, she said that is not the interpretation in seeing the original. The interpretation is, He's the King of you. He's the King of you. Isn't He the King of you? I'm not sure how we're doing on time, but I wanted to mention a couple of other things about the Sacred Heart. One of the other interviews that I had was with Father Joseph Shibayaga from Uganda. He came in to give a talk at St. Gabriel that you'll hear this Advent. And I said to him, I said, Father, what does that Sacred Heart image mean to you? And he looked at me just like Sister Maria Goretti looked at me like, Band, you got something coming. You asked the right guy. He said, in our house, we had a chest of drawers, a long chest of drawers. They had a bunch of those drawers, really small. And in each one of those small drawers was something of value. One of the drawers was change. Another drawer was candy. He said those two were the particularly attractive drawers. But above that That credenza was an image of the sacred heart of Jesus. And his parents told them, all their children, that if you have a desire to get any of those things, maybe you want to get a penny, a nickel, a piece of candy. They told him that if you bow to the sacred heart and you ask him to give you what you really desire... He will give you more than anything in those drawers. I said, Father, did it ever work for you? (laughs) He said, yeah. He said, one time I I was going to get some money out. I think I was thinking something like five nickels. I didn't do it. I bowed to the sacred heart image, and I got $2 out of nowhere. Again, it's not magic, but it's still fun, and he enjoyed telling that story. But his parents taught him something about sacrifice, didn't they? Because St. Margaret Mary was told that sacrifice is an integral part of his image that he's given her. He doesn't want us to just look at the image. He doesn't want us to do anything more than have a heart transfusion. He does want our heart to be more like his heart. And how do we do that? Another story about the sacred heart a priest very involved in the Sacred Heart movement. His mom had been praying to the Sacred Heart for many years. And she relayed a vision of the Sacred Heart. She was taken aback. And she said, Jesus, I just want to see your face. Jesus, I just want to see your face. All she saw was the bottom bottom part of the torso. And then when she looked up, She didn't see Jesus' face. She saw her husband's face. The sacred heart of Jesus, and when we honor the sacred heart of Jesus, is when we honor those in our home. And that's why the sacred heart enthronement is so vitally important now. The one thing that I talk about getting angry about is that our culture is looking for the silver bullet. It's looking for somebody in politics or somebody down the street, or a school system, to solve the problem that's in our heart. Does that problem exist in your heart? It exists in mine. Wish it didn't. But I do know that if you pray to Him, and you think of this image, and you receive the Eucharist, and you receive Him in in confession, He will make your heart more like his heart. You don't have to get there today. Remember what he said about his heart? It's not Goliath. It's not a superhero. It's meek and humble. And that's the heart that we need. So you'd think that if people knew that there are promises associated with the sacred heart, everybody would be doing it, right? doesn't work that way, does it? It is a movement of the heart. I want to tell you a story that you might have heard before, and I'm going to go ahead and frame it in a different kind of way. Everybody is afraid of the Sacred Heart because you're afraid that truth will be revealed in your home. It's okay. There are monsters in everybody's home. Monsters. Real monsters. There's pain, there's illness, there's addiction. There's lack of communication, there's lack of love for your kids, kids' lack of love of you, but it's okay. And I'm going to frame this in one of my favorite sports, hockey. So when you hear this story, I want you to think about the Olympics in 1980, and instead of hearing the word Russians, think about whatever monster you have in your house that you're afraid of. United States hockey in 1980. If you're not as old as I am, you might not know that they had amateur amateur athletes for Americans. They're college students. The Russians, professionals, the best of the best of the best. In fact, they beat the NHL-paid American hockey team six to nothing before the Olympics. Do you think they had much of a shot? They had no shot. There is no shot. Just like your monster has no shot. You know it. You know that you can't solve it, so you're just ignoring it. But I want you to enthrone your home to the sacred heart. Before you leave, pick up the information, sign up. Be bold, just like these college students in 1980. To make matters worse, these college students lost to the Russians the week of the Olympics, week before the Olympics, 10 to 3. Now, in football, that's like Ohio State last weekend. It's a lot of goals. You think that they were dejected? Do You think that they had a little voice on their shoulder that said, you can't do this? Just like you're hearing right now that I can't do it. I know I can't do it. So they get to the Olympics and have the favor of facing the Russians again. But one of the greatest speeches that I've ever heard, and that's what I'm going to relate to you now, was given by Herb Brooks, the coach. He tells the players, ready before they go on the ice, great moments are made out of great opportunities. That's what you have here today, boys. That's what you earned here today. We played the Russians ten times, they'll beat us nine. But I'm sick and tired of hearing about those darn Russians. You need to say that to that monster. I'm sick and tired of it. Not tonight. Not today. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. Now go out there and take it. The Americans didn't get on the ice and the Russians didn't fall over. With that speech, shouldn't they have just fallen right over? If they would have heard that, they might have gone back. I don't know. They had to fight. They had to skate. They were down by one goal in the third period. You're going to have to skate. You're going to have to take some blows. Allowing Jesus into your home and asking him to be the Lord of your home is a big deal. They came back and won, as many of you know. Won four to three. They went on to beat the Finnish team and won the gold medal. Bunch of kids. Because they believed and they trusted. They trusted in their coach you can trust in the best coach of all time. The best coach of all time is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. To enthrone your home, it's just a few easy steps. First thing you do is you set a date. Probably a lot like these hockey players getting their, their feet on the ice. They're probably shaken like a leaf, but you've got to set the date for your enthronement. If you don't do that, it'll never happen. It just won't. If you don't get on the ice, it won't happen. After you set the date, you find the image that you and your family want to have. You have it blessed by a priest. Let the priest know that you're going to have that image in your home. And you reach out to the Sacred Heart Enthronement Network here in Columbus, and they'll be your prayer warrior as you go through this process. They'll also come to witness your enthronement. They'll be by your side in any way that you want them to be. After you enthrone enthroned your home, then starts the real work, isn't it? That's period two and three. You'll find a lot of challenges that'll pop up because you're finally dealing with reality, things that you wanted to push off. But it's okay. Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you. Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you. I'd like to thank so many people today for listening to this talk on the Sacred Heart. I want to encourage you to be the son and daughter of Christ that you were made to be. And know that it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. I was telling some folks before I came on, they reminded me of one of the things that I read about the Sacred Heart, The truth about love is that the only true response to love is love. The only true response to love is love. But until you know His love for you, you can't respond to Him in love. And it's difficult to respond to others in love, at least that selfish love of checking a box that I'm a good guy or a good person by going out and feeding the poor. It needs to come from His love. And when it does, like with my friend last night, you can thank him for the gift of his love, the fountain of his mercy, and you'll be with him for the rest of your life. May God bless you.